Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in. I appreciate all of you for hanging out with us on a great Friday as we get ready for the ACC, the Big 12, the NBA. It's going to be a wild weekend as everything gets rolled in together. U.S. Open, you name it. This might be the busiest weekend in the history. I'm not even trying to use hyperbole here. Maybe the busiest weekend in the history of American sports. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. What did we learn last night? That's what a lot of you are asking this morning as you wake up and you start your day. And I think what we learned is Joe Burrow is for real. Now, I understand some of you thought it was ridiculous when I came on this show and I said, look, I'm not an expert in breaking down game film. I'm not an expert when it comes to explaining every read that a quarterback needs to make in a complicated scenario under pressure in college football. But I watched Joe Burrow play in a game against Alabama that I believe was as good of a performance on the road in a challenging scenario as I have ever seen. And then I watched Joe Burrow play against Georgia and Kirby Smart with an incredible defense arrayed against him. And then, as if that were not enough, I also went... And I watched Joe Burrow perform against Clemson in the national title game last year. And I left those three games saying, I believe 1 billion percent in Joe Burrow. Now, 
you and I have all watched quarterbacks dominate in college who don't actually fulfill that expectation when it comes to the real world of the NBA, the real world of the NFL. And so I anticipated that Joe Burrow would struggle in his first season in the NFL. I thought that he would not have immediate success. Certainly the NFL, if it's taught us anything at all, it is that it is an incredibly humbling experience to go from 15-0 and in college to suddenly not being able to do anything in the NFL. But Joe Burrow, they can't block for him. There's not a ton of talent, I don't believe, on the offensive side of the ball. There is not a lot of reason for optimism for the Cincinnati Bengals, but for the fact that I believe in Joe Burrow. Now, the guy threw the ball, this is a crazy stat, 61 times. If you are a rookie quarterback in the NFL and you are ever in the position where you have to throw the ball 61 times, you are in an incredibly difficult spot from a perspective of trying to win a game. And I know that the Browns are a more established team. But there was no one watching last night who, if they were trying to make a decision, who would I rather have for the next three years in the future of my franchise? There is no one out there who was thinking to themselves, I would rather have Baker Mayfield than Joe Burrow. No one. No one on the planet was watching right now and saying, I would love to be betrothed forever to Baker Mayfield as my quarterback. Joe Burrow is going to be good. If you are listening to me right now and you are a long-suffering Cincinnati Bengal fan, I want you to hear the clarion call right now. I believe 100% that Joe Burrow is going to lead you into the playoffs. And listen carefully to me now. He's going to actually win a playoff game. It's hard to win a playoff game. There have been a lot of guys over the years, and Carson Wentz, and we know already with the Cincinnati Bengals, do you remember when Carson Palmer was going to be forevermore the long-term future of the Cincinnati Bengals. I do. I remember that. And it didn't end up happening. I am here to tell you right now, the Bengals are going to win playoff games with Joe Burrow as your quarterback. I can't tell you how many playoff games you're going to win, but I can tell you that you are going to be able to win games, plural, I believe I've seen enough already of Joe Burrow. I love the decisiveness. I love the ability to, in crucible moments of the game, in the first game of his NFL career, he was able to throw a touchdown pass to A.J. Green that should have been, let's be honest, that should have been a game-winning play, but for an overzealous analysis of what should be happening when it comes to offensive pass interference but for that decision Joe Burrow 
is 1-0. And now 1-1 after what happened last night. But he is going to put you, I believe, if you are a Cincinnati Bengal fan, into consistent positions to win. Now, I understand he lost the Battle of Ohio. There are Browns fans who are desperate to believe that Baker Mayfield is the future of their franchise and they're going to win at a high level that are sitting around right now saying, oh my goodness, Clay Travis, you are being unfair to the Browns brigade, to everybody out there who has bought into the dog pound nation. There are people out there who are saying, we are going to win at a high level with Baker Mayfield. To you, I would say, you are wrong. You won the battle. You are going to lose the war for the state of Ohio. The reality is, Baker Mayfield, I believe, in his third year, is a pale approximation of what we will see from Joe Burrow in his third year. And the reality is, as you start to break all this down, the future of the state of Ohio does not run through Cleveland. It runs through Cincinnati. Now, there are many people out there who are going to make excuses. They're going to argue, oh, hey, look at the scoreboard. In the short term, the Cleveland Browns may have success. I like the talent, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. You can make a lot of arguments in favor right now of the Cleveland Browns. In the long term, the Cincinnati Bengals are the team that I would rather have stock in. I believe more based on what I saw last night in Joe Burrow. They made this man trot out and throw the ball an inordinate amount of times. They couldn't protect him. He threw the ball 61 times, went for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. He is going to be, I believe, even without the running game that he had last night, in the long range, a tremendous success for the Cincinnati Bengals. In the short term, the Browns are better. Baker Mayfield got the win. They get to one and one. They're still within helling distance of whatever might happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers, whatever might be going on with the Baltimore Ravens. But in the battle for Ohio, long term, I would much rather have right now Joe Burrow than I would rather have Baker Mayfield. I appreciate all of you hanging out with me. By the way, if you're just starting off your morning with us, maybe you missed hour three yesterday. We had the president of the United States on the show. We're going to replay that now. Donald Trump, president of the United States. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
old wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their bridgestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we are joined now by Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. He's been on the show before. He's a fan of Jason Whitlock, which both of us have in common. I think we talked about this a little bit before, Senator, but for people who are yeah. uh, who didn't hear that last conversation, you uh, are a big uh, Chiefs fan. You grew up in the uh, in a fan of that team and reading Jason Whitlock's column in the uh, in the Kansas City Star newspaper there. Yeah, exactly. I grew up in Lexington, Missouri, which is a little town outside of Kansas City, about an hour. And uh, when I was in high school, Whitlock was a new columnist. At the star, so uh, I've been reading Whitlock almost as long as I've been uh, following sports. So it's great to see him with you, and uh, it's great to see the work you guys are doing. You're, you're killing it. What did you think, by the way? The Kansas City Chiefs obviously won the Super Bowl. I know you're a big Chiefs fan, and they opened the season in Kansas City. They had fans present. 
uh, and there was some booing that went on. I think it's connected to the fact that the Houston Texans didn't come out for the national anthem. Uh, there was some uh, criticism of the Kansas City Chiefs fans in, uh, in, in the, and certainly in the national media. What did you think of the opening game and uh, the, the way that Chiefs fans were uh, behaving and also the way they were covered by the media? And what did it feel like just to be able to watch the Lombardi Trophy, basically, uh, official ceremony there? Well, watching the ceremony was awesome. I watched it on TV, uh, to be clear. I was I didn't get to be there in person. I also thought it was awesome that the fans could be there in person. It was great to see, even though the stadium couldn't be full because of the COVID restrictions. We had th- I think it was fourteen or 15,000 fans there, and, and so that was that was amazing. A- as to, you know, the, the media and, and the uh, out-of-state woke liberals, the self-designated uh, intelligentsia criticizing Missouri fans, I have to tell you, I didn't take very kindly to that. I mean, I don't like to see Missouri – fans who I think are the best sports fans in the nation called classless pieces of trash, which is a quote uh, from these folks just piling on. So, you know, I, I, uh, I took offense to that. I hit back on that pretty hard. Don't call Missouri fans trash, you know, just because you don't like their point of view. And, you know, I thought Clay, I wasn't there, obviously. I just watched it on TV. But my own view is that they weren't booing a moment of unity. Give me a break. I mean, this, I know Missouri fans. I mean, these are these are my folks. I'm a Chiefs fan. They were booing unity. I think you're probably right. They could have been booing the fact that the Houston Texans couldn't couldn't come out for the national anthem, or frankly, they may have been expressing their view about months and months of co- corporate wokeness shoved down their throats, being told that if you don't agree with this, you're a racist. If you don't do that, you're a racist. If you don't do what the NFL wants you to do, you're a racist. It, who knows? But the point is. These are good people. These are good folks. And, uh, you know, anytime somebody comes at Missouri, uh, Missouri fans, Missouri citizens, Missouri residents, I'm going to come back at them, period. Um, in your state, there's a guy named David Dorn who certainly uh, was a victim of the, the looting and the pillaging that went on in St. Louis. And uh, the Tyler Eifert, uh, to his credit, is a Jacksonville Jaguar player who has David Dorn's name at the bottom of his helmet. But unfortunately, uh, Doctor, I mean, former police officer Dorn is emblematic of larger issues that are going on in this country right now, which is police are becoming victims of violence at rates, frankly, that are out of control. And I know you've noticed this and been talking about it, in particular in Missouri. How bad has it gotten, and what do we need to be doing as a nation to help protect the people who are in the police uniforms? It's bad in Missouri, I'm afraid. We've had nine police officers shot in St. Louis, just in St. Louis, nine since June. That's unbelievable. Which is just unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Of course, David Dorn is, as you say, from St. Louis. He was a retired police captain uh, gunned down there during one of the uh, violent riots. I really salute Tyler Eifert. I, I appreciated that a lot. I, I saw that, that he wore on the back of his helmet. And uh, that just meant a lot to me as a Missourian. I know it means a lot to his family, and I bet it means a lot to law enforcement, not just in my state, but all over the country. And and as to law enforcement, Clay, uh, my own view is, and I've introduced legislation to this effect, I think every cop in America ought to get a pay raise right now. And I think we ought to put thousands more cops on the beat. You know, our cops are overworked. They're underpaid. A lot of them are having to work overtime because they're short-staffed. So I think we need to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and help these folks who do so much to protect us. Also, people talk about police reform. One of the best ways to help the cops do their jobs even better is to give them the resources to do that. And that means, in my view, a pay raise to support our law enforcement. So I've introduced that legislation. I hope that it'll get a vote in the Senate. And uh, I think it is I think it's just vital that we stand up and say thank you to these officers who are putting their lives on the line and who are right now 
Uh, it is open season on them, as you say, not just in Missouri, but all over the country. That needs to stop. Does it bother you that athletes who are so outspoken on so many different social issues, there are exceptions. Some of them, Mookie Betts, for instance, in Los Angeles, came out and condemned the shooting of the two L.A. police that I'm sure you saw on a viral video as they still are trying to track down and bring that shooter to justice. But doesn't it seem unfortunate that athletes can't step up in in, in a huge group in a mass and same thing that's not happening with leagues and teams to say, hey, we need to be pointing out that police, while imperfect, like all of us who are humans, no matter what we do for a job, are the vast majority of them are out there protecting us on a daily basis. And this idea that the war on police has been allowed to be led, I think, to a large extent by athletics is a real failure, I think, of the sports community. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is sad. I think it's a disappointment that we don't have more athletes speaking up like Tyler Eifert and others are doing and or just honoring police. I mean, you know, even just saying like, hey, thank you, law enforcement, for the job you do. Thank you for keeping us safe. I mean, I think people forget that, you know, the, all the rights that we, that we cherish in this country, and rightly so, but those are just words on a piece of paper without our good law enforcement to keep the peace and to give us the benefits of the fair and equal rule of law, which is why the job they do is so important. It is a dangerous job, and they deserve our respect. And right now they need our help because it is open season on them out there. And I would love to see uh, some of these guys with platforms, guys and gals with platforms in, in pro sports and elsewhere, say thank you to law enforcement and say we've got your back and we want to stand with you. We want to help you get the resources you need to do your job. We want to bring uh, the law enforcement community and, and every other community in this country together. But we want to say we are with law enforcement. Yeah, it, it is just unbelievable to me that so many people won't actually say that. Uh, you have been. We had an interesting discussion. I talked with a uh, a guy who has been so focused on this battle between China and the United States. And this is when we initially talked with you. Was over the NBA as sort of a metaphor for the larger corporate uh, issues that are existing between the United States and China. I saw you tweet out yesterday about H&M deciding that they weren't going to be working with China anymore. I'm sure you saw with the, the, the Disney film Mulan, they thanked the, area, the people from that Chinese uh, area where the, uh, the concentration camps are. What do you think? I mean, the pressure I know you're trying to bring to bear on the NBA and everybody else. What kind of vibe are you getting based on those relationships with China right now? Well, I think that the NBA has found itself on the hot seat. And uh, thank you for everything you've done to, to help bring attention to this vital issue. I mean, if the NBA wants to be socially responsible, as they keep telling us uh, that uh, they are, and they keep lecturing everybody else on what we need to do to be socially responsible, well, why don't they go slave-free? Yeah. That's why we started the hashtag, slave-free. And they could follow the example of uh, the Swedish company, H&M, the clothing company, and say, we're not going to have any contact with any forced slave labor in China, whether it's those concentration camps, the Uyghur concentration camps, or anywhere else. I'd call on Nike to do the same thing as I did yesterday. Uh, Disney is another great example. You know, I, I wrote to the Disney CEO, and the basic tone of the letter, Clay, was to summarize it as, are you kidding me? I mean, Disney, another woke corporation, and yet they are thanking in their movie. It's bad enough they film parts of it in the Xinjiang province, and then they thank in the movie the Chinese secret police who are helped running these concentration camps. I mean, this is outrageous. It's just outrageous behavior, and, and these guys need to be called to account. And again, I think that the voice and the platform of athletes to say, we don't want to be associated with slave labor. 
We don't want to be part of, of, of forced uh, servitude anywhere in the world. That would go a long way. NBA and the NFL now have seen precipitous ratings declines. I know you hear from people who are sports fans a lot. Certainly a big part of my audience is people who are sports fans that look to sports for an escape and to be a unifying factor. Is this a function of 2020 and it being an election year? Or do you think we've, so to speak, crossed the Rubicon and sports have become so political it's almost impossible to depoliticize them? Well, I can tell you just what I hear from from folks in my state who are huge sports fans, but I hear from people all the time that they, they just are tired of having the constant political messages uh, forced in their faces, forced down their throat. And by the way, that's true whatever political side that they're on, at least in my state. People say what you just said. Listen, I want to I want to watch sports. I want to I want to I want to focus on the game. I don't want to be told that if I don't adopt this view, I'm a bad person. If I don't do this. Uh, I'm a racist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they want to they want to find it some common ground, you know. And uh, one of the things that I think worries me about the direction that uh, these these big woke corporations now, like the NBA, the corporate sports world, the NFL to a certain extent, has chosen to go, is that it really is it, it is dividing Americans. It's taking away something that used to unite us as communities, used to unite us as a country, and it's turning it into another source of division. And right now in this country, we don't need more of that. We need to remember the things that draw us together, the things that we enjoy together, the things that we love together. And uh, it's just it's it's unfortunate to see, and I think it really is a corporate-driven agenda, uh, to see that uh, used uh, in order to uh, uh, try and score political points and uh, to divide folks. And, and I think that's one of the things you're seeing show up in the ratings. Yeah, it's it's undoubtedly true, and I think it's unfortunate. Now, I have been told that the focus on the anthem is going to disappear on CBS, NBC, Fox, and uh, ESPN in week two. Uh, and I think you saw it a little bit last night, Thursday night, less of a focal point on it uh, going forward. What should people do? And, and I, you know, we've got a big audience, and I want to mobilize them on issues like these because I think as America, we're kind of sleepwalking into the battle that we're currently in with China. And they're scoring a lot of points on us, and it's like we don't even know the game has started. Um, and, and that disappoints me, using a, uh, to use a sports metaphor there. What would you say people should do if, if they're looking around and they're like, wait a minute, uh, this situation with China is, is, is massively important and we're maybe not active in any way like we, they should be. What should they do? Well, I think that uh, when it comes to sports, at least, one thing we can say is we, we should expect our, our – professional sports leagues not to be mouthpieces of Beijing. That's not Amen. too much to ask. Yeah. That, that's not politicizing sports. You know, we don't have to politicize the, uh, sports up and down like we were just talking about. It, it, but it's not too much to say, hey, at the very least, please don't just repeat the Beijing uh, party line. And that's what the NBA did last fall, for instance, in Hong Kong. That's really what, to a certain extent, they've been doing continuously. And I think we need to stand up as fans and say, Stop that. You know, be, be in favor of the United States of America. Be in favor of American workers. Be in favor of American liberty and the principles that we all agree on as Americans. And I, I think that is a strong place for sports to be. And I think that is not too much for sports fans to ask of their teams, uh, of their players, and especially of, of, of the C-suite, uh, who, again, I think are the real corporate, uh, culprits rather in a lot that is uh, wrong here. Uh, that we've seen with sports, with corporate sports. So that's where I would start. Uh, let's let's rally around the United States and let's say we're not going to allow Beijing to tell us what to do. And we're not going to be complicit in uh, Beijing's attempt uh, to uh, tell us how to live, to take away our jobs, and to enforce uh, or to force slave labor on folks all over the world.
Senator Hawley, outstanding stuff as always. Appreciate the time you spend with us, and uh, good luck to your Chiefs, except when they're playing my Titans this year, hopefully in the playoffs. <laughs> Again, we need to get revenge. So yeah, that is Senator Josh Hawley from uh, Missouri. Appreciate him hanging out with us. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome back in. Finishing off hour number two. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. And we are rolling through with a variety of different topics to get to. This is honestly, 
I'm not even kidding about this. Sometimes people use, and certainly my universe, hyperbole to argue, hey, you know, this is a uh, this is the busiest time of the year. There's so many stories. I, I legitimately believe this. I think we're headed into, rejoice, the busiest time in the history of sports that has ever existed. I mean, I think if you contemplate college football, right? I think if you think about the NFL, and by the way, college football about to get even crazier because there's a strong argument that not only is the Big Ten coming back, Pac-12's coming back, Mountain West, Mac, basically everybody is going to play. I think there's a strong argument out there that if you think about the U.S. Open, if you think about the NFL, think about the NBA Eastern and Western Conference Finals, there has never been a busier time of year than what we are dealing with right now. There's never been a busier time in all of sports than what we are dealing with right now. Uh, But we have an expert in the world of golf and his name is Dub, even though he can't figure out how the telephones work on a day-to-day basis. He's pretty good at being able to break down everything going on in the world of the U.S. Open. And I bring him in here now with me. Dub, like, we talked yesterday with the President of the United States. And you and I both know that the last time the U.S. Open took place at Wingfoot, there was a plus five was the overall champion of the U.S. Open taking place at this uh, golf course. The president told us that he shoots a low 70, which my phone blew up, and people were like, if he's shooting a low 70 at Wingfoot, that's pretty incredible. Now, in the president's defense, he's been a long-term member of the the course there, so he's probably been playing it for a long time, but it seems to me that the USGA basically decided we don't want this to be a massacre. We don't want anybody to end up shooting a massively high number here. There were a lot of under par scores in the opening Thursday, and we're underway now with Friday going and everything else. But did it shock you, Dub, how low the scores were they're basically after Thursday, as we roll into Friday here, is no doubt at all that there are going to be a lot more people under par in terms of contending for a championship than there are over par. This is not going to be a massacre. The course is not going to win. Well, you speak of this, 21 players in the first round. That's bro- crazy, bro- right? Broke 70. And if you would have told me that, if you would have had a um, crystal ball and told me that, I would not have believed you. I would I would not have believed you for one second. But to be fair, the conditions yesterday were pretty easy. Do Over- you think they rigged it, though? Do you think the USGA rigged it because they didn't want a plus five? Because a lot of people out there are casual golf fans, and they're like, oh, you couldn't have played a good round if you ended up above par. And it's different than it has been in the past. I understand the conditions were perfect and all those arguments that you can make. But when you have that many people go under par, they it seems to me the USGA has basically decided we don't want a massacre here. Yeah, I think they definitely decided to make Thursday. They kind of eased everybody into it, if that's possible at Wingfoot. But I heard rumors on Twitter and beyond that the – Wing- you heard rumors on Twitter and beyond. That's right. Literally anybody can go on Twitter and say anything. 
Do you buy the rumors on Twitter? I do. These came All right, from so tell me various, what the rumors are that you buy. Various golf sources, we'll call them, that the Wingfoot superintendent was really pissed off, basically, at how the USGA decided to set up the opening Thursday as far as pin locations and stuff like that. The leader right now after yesterday, Justin Thomas, 5-under. I'm going to make a prediction that whoever ends up winning this tournament will be no better than 3-under. I think they're going to really kick it but up But even 3-under is a pretty big deal because you basically had even money coming in from a gambling perspective. Will the winner of the U.S. Open, anybody, be under par or above par? This is a 50-50 thing. I would have taken and, above par, no Right, doubt. you would have. But Absolutely. now after Thursday, as we get ready and rolling into Friday, you'd have to be an imbecile. Right? I mean, it seems to me like they decided they want to be under par. Or you could give me plus 500 and I'd still probably take the over par just because today. You think you're going to have awfully difficult pin locations well, from that here too, on out. That too, and plus the wind today is supposed to get up to 20 miles per hour. I think yesterday it maxed out at about five, which is basically zero for these guys. So uh, I was definitely surprised with the low scores, but I think by the time the weekend comes around, it's going to be more of a traditional U.S. Open struggle in terms of these guys being able to break par. Who do you like? Like, if people are gambling going into the weekend, I, I was lazy, right? I, I bet John Rahm, I bet Dustin Johnson, and I bet uh, and I bet a guy that ended up doing, you know, decent, Justin Thomas, right? He's a leader as we get ready for the long weekend. Who do you like? Who do you think makes sense here? I like JT. He played unbelievable in the first round. I bet him as well. I really like By the way, JT, outkick fan. Absolutely. He might be listening to us right now as he gets ready for the Friday edition. If he does win this tournament, I might even have to give him a roll tide for that one. But Even uh, as an Auburn guy? Even as an Auburn guy. But going in, I really liked Webb Simpson. He had an okay day on Thursday. We'll see what he does coming into the weekend. But he's a guy that hits a lot of greens, hits a lot of fairways, and that's obviously rule number one and rule number two when you're playing at the U.S. Open. So those were my top two guys going into the week, JT. And Rory looked unreal. Rory played great. If we get treated to a JT-Rory battle down the stretch on Sunday, I don't think anyone can have any complaints about that. Would you agree with me this may be, like not even hyperbole, potentially the greatest weekend of sports in American history? Absolutely. We got week two of the NFL. We got college football coming through, a major in golf. It's unbelievable. Baseball basketball hockey if you like sports this is probably the greatest weekend of all time i mean i don't even think that's hyperbole i think legitimately you can argue if you are a sports fan we have never had more stories all taking place more games all taking place in the history of sports than what we've got going on this weekend you gotta love it gotta love it indeed uh all right when we come back hour three we got loaded guests for you we talked with donald trump in hour one uh, we talked with Senator Josh Hawley in hour two. In hour three, we're getting you ready. Gambling perspective, Dr. David Chow will join us at Pro Football Doc. And also, we'll talk with our NBA insider for those of you waking up early on the West Coast. What in the world happened to the LA Clippers? Chris Mannix will join us as well. It'll be Outkick, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern every single day. And by the way, how about the Miami Heat? They're up 2-0. We'll talk about that more in the third hour of the program. This is Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Joined now by our NBA insider. He is Chris Mannix. He is blessedly now outside of the bubble. 
How much better is your life outside of the bubble now that you have left Orlando? Have you readjusted to non-bubble life yet? I've slowly readjusted. I think I've had – yesterday was my first day not eating pizza. I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't eat pizza for two-plus months in the bubble, and I, if anybody that knows me knows I eat pizza pretty much regularly, daily. So I've been crushing – Pizzeria Regina in Boston pretty regularly at the last uh, week or so. So that's the biggest change, getting out and, you know, gorging on the foods that I missed. Did you lose weight in the bubble, like, or did you pretty much stay the exact same? No, I, I kind of wrote about this a little bit, too. Like, I, I thought I would because of the lack of pizza, but the NBA in the media room has this perpetually refilling snack table. And <laughs> I had about 900 you know, little chocolate bars, crackle bars, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. dozens and dozens of, of Mickey's ice cream sandwiches. So whatever I, whatever I gained uh, in terms of, of of lack of calories in the uh, the pizza, I, I lost it all back with the candy. Is this like because you're on the Disney campus? Is that like the chocolate mouse ears with the vanilla like middle, like the mouse face, like which is one of the most popular things that exists at Disney World? Yeah, and to be honest, that was really the only you know, sign that you're in Disney. I mean, I've yeah. said this to you before, like, you know, we, we could have been in Arizona for all I knew. I mean, there was no, we didn't see Space Mountain in the, uh, in the background. Uh, but, the, you know, you go in that snack room, you open the freezer, it's, you know, Disney ice cream sundaes, Disney pops, Disney whatever, Mickey this, Mickey that. So uh, Mickey was a big reason I, I came back unhealthy. Uh, we're talking to Chris Mannix. All right, so let's, let's begin of coming back unhealthy. Uh, I think the Clippers franchise has come back wherever they went unhealthy after the way things went. How contextualizing, as someone who has covered the NBA for a long time, how shocking was that Clipper loss? Not just that they lost the series, but that they lost it giving up a 3-1 series lead with three straight games that they had a double-digit lead in. It, it was extre- How they lost was extremely shocking because you have one of the best closers in recent playoff history in Kawhi Leonard, who for the last you know three-plus years has been making big shots and finishing off teams. I mean, last year we saw him do it to, to Philadelphia. They came back from 0-2 down to beat Milwaukee. I mean, Kawhi is a closer. Uh, that team has the personnel to be an elite defensive team, but they simply didn't play 48 minutes a night of elite defense. They played like 22 minutes a night of elite defense, and you can't do that in the playoffs. So the way that they lost was probably the most shocking. That they lost, I don't, I'm less shocked because we know about their problems in the bubble, right? Like they had so many players that weren't available for the first few weeks. Montrezl Harrell didn't get his first minute until the first game of the postseason. The Lou Williams fiasco was well chronicled. It's really tough to go up against playoff teams when you are you don't have that type of chemistry. Now it's a tough excuse to make against the Nuggets who had similar problems. I mean the Nuggets were a team that was in total disarray when they got into the bubble and they managed to get it together, but I think it would have been more surprising if the Clippers lost in the second round and there was there was no interruption of the season than having them lose in this bubble experience. So what is the takeaway here now for the Clippers? I mean, ordinarily in a situation like this, the coach would be under immense stress and or fired. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen with Doc Rivers. Paul George, I mean, the, the shot off the side of the backboard in Game 7, for better or worse, is going to go a long way towards defining him. We've seen yeah. Russell Westbrook and James Harden be defined by their playoff failures. 
I would say this is going to linger in many ways for Paul George more than almost anyone else because Doc Rivers has won a championship. Kawhi Leonard has won a championship. If you have to post a, a point a finger at a guy who hasn't done it yet, it's Paul George. So what's the fallout now for the Clippers going forward? Well, for Paul George, as much as that shot will linger, so long his quote about we didn't look at this as championship or bust. I mean, that is, that's a wild statement to make. Yes. I mean, the Clippers, the Clippers are not the 2010 Thunder. Like, they're not this plucky group of 20- and 21-year-olds that you know is going to grow and get better over the next five-plus years. They're built to win right now. Paul George is in his prime. Kawhi Leonard is in his prime. And when your other superstar in Kawhi is a player with a history of knee problems, every season is championship or bust. So I think that quote is something that, that Paul George uh, could live to regret. Uh, I don't think it's hyperbolic, Clay, to say that next season is the biggest season in the history of the Clippers franchise. They have to win a championship because next season, at the end of it, if nothing changes this summer, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can opt out of their contracts. If Doc Rivers doesn't take them to the finals, I don't think he's back for, a, for another year. I mean, I had a GM text me that, you know, in to this fact that Doc Rivers has taken the Clippers exactly as far as Vinny Del Negro has. Yeah. Vinny Del Negro was, was mocked relentlessly at times for his coaching. So every, for everybody next year, and I think they run it back. Like they, I think they try to bring back Montrez Harrell. They try to bring back Marcus Morris. They go deep into luxury tax. I think their, their option, uh, number one, is to run the whole thing back. But next season is it. If they don't win next season – it could be some dark times for the Clippers because they gave up all their assets to get Paul George. And so rebuilding, if they don't win, is going to be incredibly difficult. What do you think Steve Ballmer is thinking? This is a guy who's got more money than anybody could ever need. And, I mean, I'm saying that even in the context of wealthy NBA owners. He yeah. stands out for his wealth. They're building the new arena. I think it's privately financed through Ballmer in Inglewood, yeah. They're trying to make an effort to stand out in L.A., which is still a huge Lakers town. What are his thoughts right now as a business person? Yeah, I mean, he is loaded. He bought the forum out there for just basically a duffel bag of cash. So yeah. he's got no issues No issues there. Uh, I had asked about this. He, he's bitterly disappointed at this point. I mean, they, they it, it, again, it's, it's less about how they lost. If they had lost to the Lakers in the conference finals, that happens. Everybody loses to LeBron just the way it goes. You know, great teams have been flummoxed by great players in the past, going back to Jordan and the Jazz and the Knicks and those guys. So if they had lost the Lakers would be one thing, but to blow a 3-1 lead and lose to a team like Denver, and Denver's good, don't get me wrong, but they don't have a fraction of the playoff experience of some of the teams that are left in this postseason. That really worked over Steve Ballmer. I do think he's on board with the plan to bring the band back together. I do think he'll spend deep into the luxury tax to bring back Montrez Harrell, who could command $15 million per year, to bring back Morris, who could command... 10 to $15 million per year. Those two are the type of guys that the teams with cap spaces, about five or six of them, are going to go after because they're quality role players. I do think Bomber will spend, but I think he's, his opinion is, is like mine. Next year is, is high noon for this team. They have to make uh, a substantial run, a championship run, or, or heads will roll. So now that we have the Nuggets who have advanced to play, and we're talking to Chris Mannix at SI Chris Mannix. He is our NBA insider. Now that the Nuggets have advanced, do they have a chance to beat the Lakers? How would you assess the matchup in the NBA's Western Conference Finals? Oh, they've got a great chance. Um, I mean, the confidence they're playing with, it speaks for itself. But they've got the horses to win. And they've got 
some matchup nightmares for the Lakers. I mean, everything with the Lakers begins with who defends LeBron. Portland had nobody to defend him. Uh, Houston had nobody to defend him. They didn't really care that much about defending him half the time. Uh, the, the Nuggets aren't equipped with an elite defender there, but they can throw some waves at you, right? Like, they can throw Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig, and they can throw a bunch of guys at you that can really give you problems on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, that's number one. Number two, Denver is better equipped than Portland or Houston to defend the three-point line. If you look at the two Laker losses, it all came down to poor three-point shooting. Game one against Portland, they shot like 16% from three. Game two, one against Houston, it was like 29% from three. If you defend the three-point line against the Lakers, you've got a better-than-average shot at going out and beating them. And the Nuggets have guys that can do it. Like, they can defend the three-point line. They've got a great guard that can score in Jamal Murray. But I think those other factors are bigger. They can throw a couple of guys at LeBron and maybe slow him down a little bit, and they can defend that three-point line and take the Lakers' offense uh, out of sorts uh, you know, going into the series. If the NBA Finals ended up being the Denver Nuggets against the Miami <laughs> Heat, would Adam Silver wrap himself in chicken cutlets and just walk into a lake in Orlando and let the alligators have him? I, I think that might be time for the NBA to experiment with like a over the top service for the final. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I mean that that's the that's the unmitigated disaster for them, right? Would be at this point, LeBron, they have to get into the finals. And the Celtics, obviously, you're in Boston. Yeah. The Celtics are a legendary franchise. So Lakers Celtics, even if it's not, you know, like the Lakers Celtics of uh, you know, postseason lore, it's East Coast, West Coast. It's the one of the probably the most legendary rivalry in all of the NBA. And if you flip that and you end up with heat going up against the Nuggets, it's like, oh, my God, how did that happen? Yeah, it would, it would be catastrophic for the ratings. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, as, as much as the NBA purists love what Denver's done, Tim Conley, their GM, has put together, and, and people probably couldn't pick Tim Conley out of a lineup, but he's put together as good a team as anybody in the NBA, one with real staying power at the top. And Miami, you know, they, they, they're – their history speaks for itself with Riley and Spolstra. It, it's just not the same. The casual fans are looking at Lakers Celtics. They're looking at LeBron. I mean, they're, you, you can flash back 10 years ago to what Lakers Celtics was in the last finals appearance between the two, or you can look back at the last three or four years where this young Boston team just couldn't get over the top because they kept losing to LeBron. So the storylines, they write themselves, basically. But I will say this about, about the NBA's position on this stuff. Like I, in years past and in recent interviews, I've brought this up with Adam Silver. Like, you know, you need stars to succeed. Your super teams, even though they, they tip the balance of power, they're, they draw big ratings. Golden State draws big ratings. The Cavaliers have drawn big ratings. Silver gets all that, but he craves that NFL style of parody as much as anyone in the league. He yeah. wants to see different teams every single year. And if it means a short-term ratings dip to get people to believe that the playoffs are as wide open in the NBA as they are in the NFL, I think he'll take it. He'll take the the hit short-term if long-term it means better results. Uh, When you look at the Eastern Conference, should whoever wins the Eastern Conference and emerges there – Will they be a legit challenger if the Lakers are there? I mean, do you see the Heat? Do you see the Celtics? Do you see them being able to beat the Lakers? Or should the Lakers be, of the final four teams left right now, a prohibitive favorite in your mind? Uh, More often than not, uh, the 
team with the best player wins in those situations. I mean, Jordan did it for so many years. It was a little bit different when the Cavaliers played the Warriors because they were so deep. But you can make an argument Kevin Durant was the best player in, in those series as well. Uh, but this is a little bit different because the Lakers fall off a cliff talent-wise when you get past Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James. And look, that, that's, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They're great players. You don't need as much. But against a team like Miami, which is so well-coached and has a, a closer in Jimmy Butler, against a team like Boston, again, extremely well-coached, has given LeBron problems in the past or just two years ago. Uh, without Kyrie Irving, they went seven games against the Cavaliers in the conference finals. And with emerging young stars like Jason Tatum, who is a superstar in waiting, and Jalen Brown, who was on that next level, I, I, I think I'd favor the Lakers but it's like 60-40 as opposed to in years past where it might have been 80-20. Uh, all right, last couple of questions, quick ones for you. Have you heard much discussion about scheduling in the NBA Western and, and, and Eastern Conference Finals plus the NBA Finals, given that we're in an unprecedented situation where the NFL and college football are going to be going head-to-head with the NBA? Usually the NBA, May, June, uh, doesn't really have competition for these games. Now they've got oodles of competition how do they handle it what do they do from a scheduling perspective yeah i don't think they change anything for the conference finals um as you see with boston and miami and and going forward with the lakers uh those are sets every other game uh every other day rather you're going to go and, and you're going to get through that there may be some wiggle room with the nba finals once you get there they want to attract the big, the broadest audience and in years past they've They've stayed away from the weekends largely. Now, they, they haven't had the competition in June that they have in October, but they've tried to stay away from Saturday nights and Friday nights and, and, and certain spots where they might have some, some high-level competition. I would expect, just a guess at my point, but I would expect you see a lot of Friday-Sunday. I think you go Friday-Monday. Friday, Friday I think you go Friday-Monday and then Wednesday-Friday. I think to have those two days off, to stay away from the NFL and stay away from college football, they, they know the score. They're not going to put themselves up against like Tom Brady on Sunday night or a big SEC game on Saturday. You know, I, I think they'll, they'll avoid the weekend and go as usual on weekdays. Last question for you. We're talking to Chris Mannix, our NBA insider. When do you think the NBA is going to come back? I know there have been a lot of different storylines about the return of the NBA once they complete their season in the bubble. When, to your mind, is game one of the 2021-2022 season? Well, a lot of it's going to come down. Sorry, to, I think I messed that up. The 2020-2021 season. Anyway, the, the next year in the NBA. Yeah, a lot of that's going to come down to what the players' union will allow them to do. This is something that has to be collectively bargained uh, before the NBA can make any decision. If they had their druthers, the league would start December 1st. If, uh, if, if right now, given the pushback the league got from December 1st, if they could start on Christmas, the day that they feel like they kind of own, like the NFL owns Thanksgiving, they do that. I spoke to Michelle Roberts, the union head, about this recently, and I get a strong sense that they don't want to start till the early part of 2021. And if I had to guess right now, and there's going to be a discussion between union leaders uh, and uh, union executives over the next month or so, but if I had to guess, I would say Martin Luther King Day in January is probably a start date. You can you know, sort of sell the day as, as a holiday for the NBA, given everything that's been going on over the last few months. And I think it's a compromise between the NBA that wants to start in December 
and the players that may ultimately prefer early February to start their season. So I think uh, that Martin Luther King, January 18th, I think it is, or something like that, I think that, that stands most likely as a start day. Will they ever go back to the old schedule, or do you think it's full steam ahead on the idea of starting much later than they ordinarily have in the past? No, oh, no, they're they're going back to the old schedule come hell or high water. I mean, you think they will? They, yeah. I, ideally, they they get eighty two games in, but if it looks impossible to do that, uh, they'll cut the season short. They made that clear to the union. <laughs> they told, you know, people at the NBA office have said, "Look, we can start as late as you want, but." It's ten percent, twenty percent, right off the top. We're 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 not taking a hit because the the players want to start later. Um, no matter what, they're going to be done before the Olympics uh, allegedly start. Like they don't want to compete with the Olympics in July. So if the Olympics kick off on the same schedule they were planning to uh, this past summer, July twenty fifth or something like that, I think it was. The NBA will be done by that. It's nothing to do with you know getting players to play in the Olympics. Owners as you know, couldn't possibly give a damn about, you know, NBA players playing in the Olympics. They think it's, you know, free money for USA Basketball uh, to do that on their dime. They don't want to compete. They don't want their finals going up against, you know, less popular events normally that get huge audiences like swimming and track and things like that. They'll be done by mid-July. Appreciate the time, my man. It's Chris Mannix. He's out of the bubble, but he's still covering the NBA. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, Clay. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Dr. David Chow. He will break down everything we need to know, whether it is from a gambling perspective or a fantasy perspective. Usually, he joins us on Thursday. He got bumped. We talked about this for the president of the United States, uh, but instead he will be back getting you ready for everything you need to know about the NFL headed into the weekend. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I'm 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.